This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey everybody, this is Evan Lazar and you are listening to the Patriots Beat Podcast on the CLNS Media Podcast Network powered by our friends at betonline.ag. And today I am joined by Greg Thompson of Cover One, my friend Greg from Buffalo, who is going to go easy on me today, right Greg? You're going to go easy. I know it's been 20 years and you've been waiting, chomping at the bit. We've done podcasts many times before and I know you've been waiting your turn to gloat a little bit. So uh, welcome to the show. Greg, and here's your opportunity to rub this in my face. <laughs> uh, first, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. It's always fun talking with you. Um, and honestly, I, I need some tips because, <laughs> you know, people throw it out there, like, act like you've been there before. We, we haven't. We haven't been here before. We, we don't really know how this works. It's been 25 years. Um, I, I was 14 years old the last time that this happened. I, I don't know that I've matured a great deal since then. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of tough to, to be able to go through that and now act like we've been there before when we haven't. It's been a rough road here. So, yeah, for, for any any Patriots fans listening, if you have Bills fans in your life, have some perspective, have some grace, understand that this is a first time for them. Uh, it's an exciting time. And um, sadly, we have a great deal of experience in the playoff simulator weird path to try to find the seventh pick. And now all of a sudden pivoting to draft, uh, you know, mock draft simulators in, in December. Um, it, we, we can help you with those things. We have a lot of experience with that. Well, you're going to help me with those things just in a second, but I do want to talk about this Bills team and, and Bills fans, because I think with Patriots fans, Bills fans definitely get a bad rap for not knowing how to act, not knowing how to be there before. And some of the things that they, you know, funny things that I think are funny, um, you know, dildos on the field, things like that, <laughs> that are just uh, crack me up. But maybe Patriots fans look at it a little bit differently. I remember a few years ago, I was walking into a, uh, New Era Field, New Era Field, New Era Stadium, whatever it's called nowadays in Buffalo. And I did not have any Patriots gear on. I had, a, I was dressed very nicely to go to work, but because of my aura or the way I was looking, uh, Bill's Mafia in the parking lot realized that I was from Boston and was a Patriot reporter and I started getting heckled as my, and on my walk into the stadium, you know, and I, I just was like, I wouldn't have it any other way in Buffalo. This is exactly what I wanted my first experience covering a game in Buffalo as a credentialed reporter to be was for Bill's Mafia to see right through my suit and, and, and know that underneath it was a Tom Brady jersey and just give it to me the business on the way into the stadium. It was perfect. 
nothing makes more sense than what you just said. It's uh, I will say, so, you know, people bring it up all the time. I, I grew up in the Kelly versus Marino era and that the real rivalry was the Bills and the Dolphins. And some Bills fans say, oh, well, now the rival is the, the Patriots. I mean, no, it's not. The Bills were a rival with the Patriots like a nail is a rival with a hammer. Like it, it's just not the same thing. Um, now I look forward to now there being a wide open, you know, uh, you know, division to be battled for and that this decade could have that. And I, I've warned Bills fans that don't get me wrong. We haven't gone into week 16 of a season or hold on. Let me flip that around. We've gone into week 16 of a season a lot of times where a Bills Patriots game matters for one team and doesn't matter for the other team. We've just never had it this direction <laughs> where it only matters for the Bills and doesn't matter for the Patriots. Um, I said, but enjoy it because you know, some of the things with when you lead the league in, COVID opt-outs. That also means you have the most players coming back from COVID uh, contracts coming back in. Um, for the first time in a long time, there's a cadre of cap space available in a nuclear winter NFL free agency landscape. Um, obviously, none of that automatically fixes the quarterback position, so that's still the the core of it. But I don't I don't expect the Patriots to be down long term. But the reassuring part that I've I've shared with Bills fans is no matter what. It's not going to be that peak Brady period. It's a, no, no one is going to do what the Patriots have done for 20 years. It's the greatest run in professional sports, 11 straight times in the playoffs, 19 out of 20 division championships. That's never going to happen again. It's the greatest achievement in professional sports. And now we can go back to just regular life where, hey, if you have bad injury luck, it's a rough season. And if you have good injury luck and players, you know, have a good season, you have a good season. Um, so it'll, I, I welcome back to reality. This is the way the rest of us live. Um, but that sadly, for, for as joyful as some Bills fans are going to be, the Pats aren't going to be that long. Well, we're, we've, you know, gotten through all of the, uh, of us kind of stroking each other's egos. Let's put it to you that way <laughs> on both sides. Let's talk about that quarterback position yeah. because I think, you know, a lot of Patriots fans, again, and I keep saying this, but they don't like it when we point out that the Bills rebuilding strategy is working and that the Patriots <laughs> could learn something from Buffalo. It's like, what are we going to learn from Buffalo? You know, they, they haven't won anything in 20 years, right? It's like, no, 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 no. This is a great case study by Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott of how to put a young quarterback in the perfect situation to succeed, especially a young quarterback in Josh Allen, who, let's face it, was a – high ceiling, you know, low floor type of prospect had very high bust potential if it didn't go the right direction in Buffalo. So I looked back at that 2018 draft. They actually traded up twice for Josh Allen's pick at seventh overall from 21 because they made that playoffs with Tyrod Taylor, right? Was that the year? Yeah. So they made the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor, sweeped in as a wild card team. Then they were picking 21st. They traded up from 21 to 12 and then 12 to seven to get their guy, Josh Allen. But I actually, actually think more so, and we can talk a little bit about Allen's development too, more so than Allen's individual development, what McDermott and Bean did to, you know, restructure the offensive line, to add Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs, and put Josh Allen in this perfect kind of offense for his skill set with Brian Dable, that's really, I think, as much about what we've seen from Josh Allen's growth as anything, and that sort of speaks to the team building process of the whole thing. Absolutely. And it's, you know, there's a lot of different pieces in there. I've joked with other people that Josh Allen is now going to be a blueprint that's going to help 
a few other quarterbacks make it to their potential that never would have gotten the chance before. And he's also going to get a handful of head coaches and GMs fired because they're going to think that they can turn their ball of clay and just pile of traits into a franchise quarterback. Um, so we're going to all get to watch and enjoy people at both ends of the spectrum doing that. The timing of bringing Allen in in a year where they set the record for the most NFL dead cap in one season and they just cut loose everybody, anybody who they could create cap space with. They got rid of everybody. They traded, you're just piled up draft picks to be able to get everything together to do this rebuild and were able to afford to just give him reps. And it didn't really matter that it was ugly. It was just, Hey, we need to let him learn. We need to be patient when all those things happened, all of the statistical models were accurate. He did have the biggest, the highest probability of busting of any draft uh, quarterback. I think one of the biggest lessons learned in the draft community and the statistical modeling community is understanding that 90% probable doesn't mean 100% probable. Like It's just not the same thing that, hey, when something is 10% likely to happen, that doesn't mean zero. And that the other factors that go into that, I use the case all the time. I describe him as Josh Allen is what Jeff George and Jamarcus Russell could have been. And that when you have a guy who comes out who just has the strongest arm that anyone's ever seen, but that you decide that, no, I'm already good. I know I can make every throw. I don't need to do any of the homework. But that what they discovered when they went out, you know, the Pagulas and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott flew out and spent time with his family and time in Wyoming and talked to everyone who had ever been around him in Fireball, California, what they learned was he was incredibly humble. He was incredibly hardworking. He was very willing to be coached. He didn't turn away from those things. He freaking handcuffed himself to Jordan Palmer every summer. They ripped his mechanics down to the studs and rebuilt it. And you don't often have guys, you know, you hear more of the the Jay Cutlers and people like that who are just born with a howitzer on their shoulder, Cam Newton, that, you know, they don't spend the time refining the mechanics like that and rebuilding it. That was what they bought into. So it wasn't blind faith that, oh, we're just going to give him time and hope. It's that, hey, we see what he's doing in the film room. We see what he's doing in the practice room. We see what he's doing every single day all summer. He's not going and laying, you know, in some cabana in the Bahamas. He's working every single day. We think this guy's buying into. That's why they had patience where all of us were, you know, even the most you know, rabid Bills fan was hoping he'd have a good season. Nobody saw this. Nobody saw this coming. So um the the team never saw it as a ten percent probability. The the front office never thought that this was some, you know, anomaly roll of the dice, but they had more information than the rest of us. Yeah, and I think that that's always a big thing too about the draft community and in the media and the the model people and statistical model people is that we don't have all those behind the scenes information. We try to get as much of it as we can, but there's no way that we're going to have it all like the teams have it. And that's oftentimes why when we sit there and we scratch our heads, like why did this guy fall to the sixth round or why did this guy go so high? It's oftentimes the intangibles behind the scenes that maybe we didn't put together that other teams have been able to put together like the bills with Josh Allen and, and figure that out. And I think the most incredible thing about this whole thing and a lot of it I think speaks to 
Josh Allen's growth in terms of the mechanics and the way that he's grown as a passer. But if you look at his first two seasons, uh, completion percentage over expected, which is that fancy metric that measures downfield accuracy that everybody loves. He was 42nd out of 45 qualified quarterbacks in CPOE his first two seasons. He is fourth this season, top five. I mean, that those types of flips just don't really happen, right? Not, not even really. Literally never happened. Yeah. It, like, it's never happened in the history of football. Troy Aikman was kind of close. Right. He had, he had a stretch like that. Um, it's the re, yeah, the reason that you, you've had some people not bust and end up being okay. No one has gone at the, I mean, Josh Allen's probably going to get MVP votes this year. He's right. not going to win. Rodgers or Mahomes will win it. Right. I'll bet a dollar that he gets MVP votes. Oh, yeah. And that the fact of going from 42nd out of 45 to legitimately getting an MVP vote, no one thought that was possible. Yeah, and you know, to go from 59% completions last year to 70% completions, I mean, just go right on down the line of all the stats that just completely reversed course for Josh Allen. And I think a big part of it, and not to take anything away from him, is Stephon Diggs. I mean, Diggs has just been absolute, uh, exactly what Buffalo needed and exactly what everybody thought he would be when they made the trade, I think. I mean, maybe he's a little bit better than people expected, but Everybody knew Diggs could ball, and it was really just a matter of uh, of him being sort of that number one option and not having to share the limelight with Thielen and stuff like that. And it's definitely blossomed that way in Buffalo. The other thing I wanted to point out is that the one throw that I broke down in, in my game plan this week, um, which is focused a lot on players to watch for the Patriots, but also a little bit on the Bills rebuilding strategy and Josh Allen, was a throw early on in that Denver game where they had the double slant concept in the middle of the field, and he didn't have the first option open. And he didn't have the second option open and he got through the progression so quickly that he still hit digs on the deep comeback as he was coming out of his break with, you know, perfect timing. Those are the types of throws one, two, three hit it, you know, on the third throw on the third read on a perfect type of a progression read and also timing with the ball out of his hands. And of course the arm strength helps because if he, even if he's a tick late, he can just gun it and, and he gets it there in time. But that type of progression and that type of full field read was just not something that we saw out of Josh Allen in 2018 and 2019 consistently. Every, every time he played Bill Belichick especially, it sort of felt like Bill said, okay, I know that if I take away this guy's first read, that he's probably going to make some mistakes throwing to his second and third primaries. He's probably going to just take off running some of the time or hold the football in the pocket, and we're going to create negative plays as long as he can't hit that scheme to first read every single time. The other one was the uh, deep bomb to Diggs on the little stuff stutter and go move later in the game. That type of accuracy, I mean, Diggs is open. He, he's over, open over the top, but it's not like he's wide open down the field by 20 yards. And that type of accuracy on the deep ball is definitely not something that we saw consistently out of Josh Allen before this. Uh, that throw, you know, I, I think you can make a sneaky case, is the best deep ball he's ever thrown. Yeah, 55-yard gain, 63 in the air, dropped on a dime, like directly in his arms, that that might be the best deep ball he's ever thrown. Right, and those are things that, you know, just watching his tape to prepare for their games in the past, we just didn't really see. And I think the last frontier for Allen, even though the Patriots aren't in the playoff mix, is to is to get over Belichick, right? It is to it be is. able to, 
to finally beat not, not they obviously beat the Patriots the first time around this season, but beat Bill Belichick with a clean game from Josh Allen because he still threw I believe it was two picks in that game. Okay. I should have looked this up. It was two picks in that game. One was uh, to J.C. Jackson. Um, that was you know maybe a miscommunication at the time between two, uh, you know, Diggs and Allen. They didn't really know each other as well as they know each other now. But I think that's sort of the last frontier, if you will, for Josh Allen is to uh, put together a great game against Bill Belichick, and he's got that Monday night stage to do it this time around. Yeah, I mean, add, add Sean McDermott to that as well. I, I think that obviously the division's already been formally locked up, but the – the coronation, if you will, of going into Gillette and going into Bill Belichick's house and being able to formally take the division from their cold dead hands. Like that stuff matters. Like this is, this is a division games are always closer than what they should be. You know, look at how, look at how the Jets played the Patriots and the Bills. You know, it's division games are never as easy as people want them to be. I've warned Bills fans that, you know, people that are thinking it's going to be another 48 to 19, like what they just did to the Broncos. I'm like, that's just not the way this is going to go. I I do expect a Bills win, but I, I don't, it's not going to be like that. This is, this is going to be a tough fought divisional matchup. And uh, somebody that many Pats fans listening will be familiar with, I, I had a good conversation with Mark Schofield, and, and he had brought up Friend of the, the little, yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, the little quarter seconds and half seconds that they've created for Josh Allen, and, and yeah. it's a combination of all of them. Uh, Brian Dable has had fantastic play calls that give easy throws that just automatically are there for him. Then you add in Josh's arm gives him an extra quarter of a second, half second. He used Joe Burrow as an example. Joe Burrow and and Josh Allen can make the exact same throw 35 yards down the field. Josh Allen can wait an extra half a second and still get the ball there at the same time that Joe Burrow just can't do that. Then you add in against zone, Cole Beasley can not be NFL open. He can visually flash open where there's no one else near him, where Josh doesn't have to immediately see it in the first reads. Make, oh, look, there's Cole Beasley standing all by himself. Or if they're in man, Stefan Diggs can roast his guy like other guys just can't and can, again, visually flash open. You add all those things up, and it's that extra quarter second here, extra half second there, extra quarter second there, and you add in one that, a lot of people don't think about in that Josh is kind of this big, oafy, goofy guy. He's he's very emotional on the field. He's got the highest wonder lick of any quarterback prospect in the last four years. He's incredibly smart. He yeah. plays that aw shucks, goofy guy. Dable and McDermott talk all the time. He's brilliant in the film room. Like he's really, really smart and just plays this over the top goofy guy on the field that's all emotion. Um, he processes things really quickly and that that's really coming into its own. And now you add up all those little quarter of seconds and now we bring back John Brown that we haven't even had most of the season. It's really tough to pick your poison now and they've turned this into an offense that is, is really tough to, to slow down, let alone stop. Yeah, and, and from a Patriot perspective, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see without Stephon Gilmore in the secondary. They played them without Stephon Gilmore the first time around as well. And J.C. Jackson won his battles against Stephon Diggs, but Diggs also had you know some big plays in that game too. Had that one uh, 40-yarder on the cur- deep curl that he ended up breaking away from J.C. Jackson. That was a huge play in that game. So I, I'm fascinated to see you know that matchup again this time around because looking ahead to next season, 
season is sort of, you know, where we're stuck with the Patriots right now. And a lot of conversation about what's going to happen with Stephon Gilmore. Is he going to be around in 2021? And is JC Jackson going to, you know, go up the pecking order to that number one corner spot? And I think that that's going to be sort of a litmus test of, of sorts um, to see him against a guy like Diggs. And you mentioned that it's going to be – you think it's going to be a close game. I actually think it's going to be a competitive game also. I, I see the the Monday night stage is, is one that if you're a player, whether you're upcoming free agent or not, you don't want to put bad tape out there on Monday night. You know, everybody in the world is watching. Every NFL coach and every NFL GM is paying attention to those primetime games. You don't want to sit there if you're a Patriot and put up a terrible stinker against the Bills. So I, maybe if that stinker is coming, you know, where they're kind of looking to their vac- vacations on Mex- in Mexico and stuff like that, that that's going to be a week 17 thing. I think I, I don't really see that being this week. And I think the Patriots are going to start Cam Newton and are going to go into this game, trying to win this football game so that they can say, you know, on a national stage, we beat the bills and, and we're still a team that's going to be, be able to turn this thing around quickly. And they're not looking at a three to five year rebuild necessarily. Maybe it's only a one to two year rebuild. That being said, the bills defense to me, from what I have seen lately, looks a lot better than it did oh, the yeah. first time around. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, I know Eric uh, Turner, your your friend there, cover one, he was breaking down some Tremaine Edmonds tape on Twitter and how he's in, you know, starting to come into his own a little bit after a rocky start to the year. Uh, but what about this Bills defense? Do you think has turned around the most? It, it's it's been a cocktail of things with uh, one injury. You know, people like Trey White was injured early. Tremaine Edmonds was, was injured injured early. Uh, Matt Milano missed big stretches of, of games. We didn't have the same four guys in the secondary for uh, two consecutive games until like week nine. Um, so all those different things. And then the one group that was healthy was the defensive line where we had the most turnover of any different group. So learning to play together and how they're going to play off each other. Um, I also think there was an interesting part. This defensive brain trust between Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, who they disguise coverages as well as anybody in the league, they're really, really savvy with that. They've also had to have this bend but don't break mentality for three years because if we gave up any extra scores or we tried to take an aggressive shot and you give up a deep touchdown, that was it. We just couldn't catch up and we gave up a score that now the offense can't answer to. They now have some some weapons and, and tools in their tool belt that they didn't have before that they can be aggressive and go after shots because, Hey, Oh man, we gave up a deep touchdown to Brandon. Ayuk. yeah, that's all right. We'll answer back and score again. Or, Hey, we're going to give up a, a easy touchdown to James Washington. Cause we sent an extra blitzer, you know, Poyer off of the corner. Eh, that's fine. We'll, we'll answer it. They can now take aggressive shots because if they do get home, and they do sit on it right and send a blitz, and all of a sudden, oh, Taron Johnson's going to sit on a easy out and take it back for a pick six, or you just get an extra possession. Well, now we're up by two scores, and now you're not going to stop us from scoring, and we're just going to pull away. They've never had that option before. They've never had that offense to capitalize on extra possessions and to make up for aggressive uh choices, but they still have the underlying discipline of the kind of defense that they've had before. So we've seen a combination that it's getting healthy at the right time. The Bills had weird stretches in the middle of the year with 17 and 18 guys on the injury report, but oddly they had the fewest season ending injuries in the entire league. They have basically one player on IR of any material matter. And that was Cody Ford who, 
w- wasn't playing that well. Um, so they somehow made it through without any season ending injuries and are now getting almost everyone back. The last game, they literally had a clean, uh, injury report. They, they just chose not to play John Brown to let him get back a little bit healthier. Um, it's that combination. They're getting healthy at the right time. They're learning how to use the new weapons that they have. They're learning to be more aggressive because they can afford to be. And that combination we've just never really had before. So it's, it's interesting because it's new for us as well to see how they utilize it. It's, it's kind of interesting too, because McDermott's scheme is typically pretty standard week in and week out. It's, you know, he's not necessarily a guy in the past that's been a heavy game plan coach. You know, he kind of runs his stuff and, and, you know, runs it so well that it, it's just a really sound scheme. I've seen them, I would say this year, do more wrinkles than ever before, really. Like you're mentioning with the blitzing and with the coverage rotations and disguising has always been a big part of their kind of repertoire. But even maybe a little bit more man coverage at times and and stuff like that. And uh, that was the last time they played the Patriots. They played a lot of zone again against Cam Newton, which has been something a lot of teams have done. But I'm going back to the Brady last game against Brady uh, a year ago, and they played. You know, Belichick on Wednesday, I press conference came out and said, "This isn't a game plan defense. They do what they do, and and, and you know they, they do it really well, and that this that the other thing." And I just remember McDermott coming out and playing man coverage like 70% of the game and Belichick and McDaniels, I think were a little bit thrown off by it. And uh, that's the one thing I've seen as this defense evolves under McDermott is that they've been able to go to some different things and not just kind of sit in the same kind of cover two, cover three uh, quarters, maybe mix in their rotations and disguises, which have definitely worked in the past for McDermott. But now they've gotten a little bit more spicy uh, with what they're doing in the front seven and with their blitz packages. And, you know, this team, uh, we start to talk about it a lot, and, and it seems like the Bills are set up to go on a little bit of a run here. I don't want to I don't want to get you too excited, Greg. So I'm not going to say it fully to the, all the way to the Super Bowl or anything like that. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a fun sort of watch from the outside looking in to see, uh, is this Bills team truly for real? You know, can they make that next step of winning in the postseason? But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you see this team really going on a run here? So anyone who is picking against the Chiefs is risking their money unnecessarily. They're the best team in football. They're the most likely Super Bowl champion. If we played this, if you, if it was like the NBA and it was, you know, seven game series, I would bet in a substantial amount of money that the Chiefs would come out in there. If anyone wants to try to tell me that they don't think the Bills can win a game against them and that if all it's going to take is that game script we saw of Kansas City against Miami where they had three turnovers early and the Dolphins should have gone into halftime 24 to 7 instead of down 14 to 10 if they had that game script against the Bills the Bills would be up 24 to 7 and they would have capitalized and scored on each of those possessions and it might take that you know if they if if the Chiefs play a clean slate um then, you know, it, it's going to be tough to, to just outpace that ridiculous offense. But if they do have some of those mistakes, the Bills have the team to capitalize on it. Now, before they get ahead of themselves, there are no bad teams that are going to make the playoffs in the AFC. You know, they're probably going to start out with the Colts or the Titans or the Ravens or a really tough team. And then they're going to have to play another really tough team. So, um, I like it because 
people were afraid of this schedule coming into the year for the Bills. They've had one of the toughest schedules in the NFL and they've gone 11 and three in that so far. They've built, uh, if the playoffs started today, they'd be seven teams that would be in the playoffs already. They're, they're galvanized and ready for this, but they still have to prove it. You're still going to have to go play, you know, Baltimore and Tennessee are right behind the Bills and the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Um, there are teams that are going to be very intimidating to play, but for the first time in my adult life, I get to go into these games saying, no, we should win. Like I, I, I don't have to hope and pray and be like, well, if everything falls right, maybe we can win and we're going to need a couple of things to break our way. No, we should beat them. We should win this game. And it doesn't mean we're going to, it doesn't mean they're going to go on some crazy Super Bowl run. But for me to say it's possible that the Bills could win the Super Bowl is insane for me to say out loud because it's real. It's possible that the Bills win the Super Bowl, and that's really fun to be able to cut to cover and follow and talk about. And I'm looking forward to it. I expect the Bills to win playoff games. I now kind of expect them to win multiple. Um, and I think that a Bills Chiefs AFC Championship game is the most likely outcome, to be honest, in the playoffs. And it's going to take a special performance to be able to take on a team like that. But um, that's what I'm looking forward to. And, and I think that it's okay for Bills fans to have raised expectations after 25 years of being beaten into submission. Yeah, you know, that's that's the beauty of when you know you have a good team is that you know that no matter who you go up against, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or it's in the Super Bowl matchup with Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or whoever it ends up being, you can sit there and say, hey, we got a chance. You know, we, we got a team that can give us a chance in these games, and that's the beauty of rooting for a good team. Uh, going back to Monday night quickly before I let you go, what is the, what's on the line here for Buffalo? Because I, I know the standings and the seeding is what it is. Uh, I guess a, potentially a home game in the first round could sort of be on the line here. But at the same time, there's no fans in the stands. There's no real home field advantage nowadays. Although they are saying that Buffalo might have some fans yes. in the stands if there is a home game there. I just what, what do you really see on the line here other than just kind of the facade of beating the Patriots on, on Monday Night Football? So I think that's a piece of it, even though it, it's not, there's no tangible uh difference. I think the fact that it is New England and it is in New England, in Foxborough and going up against Belichick and all those things, that matters. And the players have talked about, they've been beating our ass for, you know, every year I've been in this league, there's no chance we're taking this lightly. They, they know that this is real. Then you add in, there are very real seeding potential here. The Bills, um, if the Colts beat the Steelers and the Packers beat the Titans going into Monday night, if the Bills win, they lock up the number two seed, which would be huge to give them the flexibility of doing whatever they want to do and basically getting their own bye week going into the playoffs. Um, plus two home games, which now there is a proposal to have fans in the stadium, uh, from, uh, the governor and, and setting that up and working with the county to be able to do that. They've sent out messages to season ticket holders and the staff staffing company that staffs the stadium on game day has started to hire people. So it's now moved beyond maybe a theoretical uh, proposal to, I, I kind of think it's going to happen now. Right. Um, so all those things, this game matters a ton. This game matters a lot. They are going to go full force to win this game because winning this game gives them options in week 17 where I kind of think we'll see them sit back and rest some players. So this game matters a lot for Buffalo emotionally, strategically, in the seating, everything that's out there, and just the monumental shift of, hey, 
we didn't back into this. We didn't accidentally get there. This is a chance they can sweep the division, you know, and being able to beat every team twice, that matters to them and is something that they're going to put every possible effort into. It's really fascinating with this new seven seed playoff format that there is that only one buy. So it does become extremely important to make week 17 sort of a meaningless game if you can, if you're a playoff team, to get that sort of built in buy for you. And for the Patriots, I do want to talk about just a few players quickly here. I'm going to rattle off. I'm going to talk about a bunch of players in my Patriot game plan. Basically, uh, unfortunately for New England, this is basically like a preseason game, right? Where we're just kind of seeing what we can get out of some of these younger players and, and development. So some of the guys that I'll just have an eye on from a Patriot perspective, uh, I, I would say the top of the list right now is probably Chase Winovich uh, for me and Jawan Williams. Uh, they're 2019 uh, second and third round picks. Winovich, uh, as you know, Greg, is a really good player. Yeah, you know, He's a good football player, uh, but his fit in this system has not exactly taken off for an every down roll type of guy. Uh, he's been a very situational type of player, just playing in pass rushing situations and I think we need to see if he can set the edge and and be a sturdy enough run defender on first and second down to blossom into that all-around player. Uh, Juwan Williams has never really gotten an opportunity in New England because of their depth at cornerback. Stephon Gilmore's injury I think really puts him in a position to maybe play some outside cornerback reps here in this game and uh, get some opportunities against some good receivers as well and uh, one more name I'll throw out there. I'm going to keep trying to make him happen until he's a complete bust. Nikhil Harry has looked better. He has looked better, Greg, in the last three games. He's going to go up against Trey White a little bit, I think, in this game, which will be fun matchup for him to see if he can really do uh, it against a, a legitimate corner. Unfortunately for the Patriots, their quarterback position has been so bad at times this season that Nikhil Harry, Devin Asiasi, some of their younger receivers, we haven't really been able to get a great evaluation on those players because they're just not getting the ball when and where they should be getting the football from Cam Newton consistently enough. So it's been hard to evaluate, but if you go ahead and you watch the tape and Greg, I'm sure you've done this in the past when your team is not in the playoffs and you really comb the tape for all the little things that maybe you can highlight. Uh, Nikhil Harry has gotten open at times over the last couple of weeks. He has looked a little bit better, crisper, faster in his routes. So we'll see if that can continue to blossom. And uh, I think that we'll have, uh, Greg on again at some point I'm sure uh, if it's not in the off season definitely next season and I thank you very much Greg for uh, doing the double dip with me uh, you, you came on the pod uh, the first time around and the second time around so I, I really appreciate that and uh, why don't you uh, let everybody know where they can follow you and where they can read and uh, listen to your stuff Absolutely. No, I appreciate it very much. And like I said, I, I mean it genuinely that although Bills fans are certainly going to take some joy in having a, a first time meaningless game against the Patriots, um, it's not going to be for long. I think this past team has too much good leadership and assets to, to stay down long. Um, so yeah, if anyone needs any tips on, on the best mock draft simulators, come reach out to me and let me know. You can find me at Greg Thompson on Twitter. Um, I'm over at cover1.net. Uh, you can find the cover one Buffalo podcast anywhere that you find your podcast on YouTube. Uh, always having fun and, and very bills focused, but we also have some great draft coverage and some guys who do awesome draft work. Russell Brown and uh, Christian Page are, are not Bills fans. They are uh, separate uh, fan hoods, but do awesome draft work for us. So come and find them. They'll be able to guide you on, on what players to watch for here going into the draft. And uh, certainly appreciate it, Evan. Always fun to talk to you. Uh, wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, enjoy time with family and friends. We'll uh, talk to you guys soon. 
Uh, that was a better sign-off than I was going to give. I should have just let it end right there. But, yeah, I can't recommend Cover One enough. It's a great website, uh, both for Bill stuff, but also, as Greg just mentioned, great draft stuff as well. And I'm always kind of coming through their draft coverage in the off season to pick their brains and, and figure out some things that I can use in my coverage as well. So uh, definitely go and follow Cover One. Go and follow Greg, and there will be plenty of draft talk over the next couple of months there as well. On CLNSmedia.com, as I have mentioned a couple times, my Patriots game plan will be heavily focused on players to watch over the next two weeks. So go ahead and check that out. And uh, we'll be at the game on Monday night. Uh, we're still going to act like it's a, a meaningful game for the Patriots, and we'll still be there doing our thing. So uh, make sure you follow us at Patriots CLNS on Twitter and our YouTube channel at Patriots Press Pass. Uh, wall-to-wall coverage from Gillette on Monday night, Patriots Bills. Whether it's a winner or not, we'll have a lot to talk about in terms of uh, player development and things like that. And also, I'm sure it, if it's a big win for Buffalo, we'll be talking about that as well and what it means for the AFC East. But until next week, signing off for Greg Thompson, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody, this is Evan Lazar, and you are listening to the Patriots Beat Podcast on the CLNS Media Podcast Network, powered by our friends at betonline.ag. And today I am joined by Greg Thompson of Cover One, my friend Greg from Buffalo, who is going to go easy on me today, right, Greg? You're going to go easy. I know it's been 20 years, and you've been waiting, chomping at the bit. We've done podcasts many times before, and I know you've been waiting your turn to gloat a little bit. So uh, welcome to the show show, Greg, and here's your opportunity to rub this in my face. <laughs> First, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. It's always fun talking with you. Um, and honestly, I, I need some tips because, <laughs> you know, people throw it out there, like, act like you've been there before. We, we haven't. We haven't been here before. We, we don't really know how this works. It's been 25 years. Um, I, I was 14 years old the last time that this happened. I, I don't know that I've matured a great deal since then. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of tough to, to be able to go through that and now act like we've been there before when we haven't. It, it's been a rough road here. So, yeah, for, for any any Patriots fans listening, if you have Bills fans in your life, ha- have some perspective, have some grace, understand that this is a first time for them. Uh, it's an exciting time. And um, sadly, we have a great deal of experience in the playoff simulator weird path to try to find the seventh pick and now all of a sudden pivoting to draft – uh, you know, mock draft simulators in, in December. Um, it, we, we can help you with those things. We have a lot of experience with that. Well, you're going to help me with those things just in a second, but I do want to talk about this Bills team and, and Bills fans, because I think with Patriots fans, Bills fans definitely get a bad rap for not knowing how to act, not knowing how to be there before. And some of the things that they, you know, funny things I think are funny, um, you know, dildos on the field, things like that, <laughs> that are just uh, crack me up. But maybe Patriots fans look at it a little bit differently. I remember a few years ago I was walking into uh, – New Era Field, New Era Field, New Era Stadium, whatever it's called nowadays in Buffalo. And I did not have any Patriots gear on. I had, a, I was dressed very nicely to go to work, but because of my aura or the way I was looking, uh, Bill's Mafia in the parking lot realized that I was from Boston and was a Patriot reporter. And I started getting heckled as my, and on my walk into the stadium, you know, and I, I just was like, I wouldn't have it any other way in Buffalo. This is exactly what I wanted my first experience covering a game in Buffalo as a credentialed reporter to be was for Bill's Mafia 
to see right through my suit and, and, and know that underneath it was a Tom Brady jersey and just give it to me the business on the way into the stadium. It was perfect. Nothing makes more sense than what you just said. It's uh, I will say, so, you know, people bring it up all the time. I grew up in the Kelly versus Marino era and that the real rivalry was the Bills and the Dolphins. And some Bills fans say, oh, well, now the rival is the, the Patriots. No, it's not. The Bills were a rival with the Patriots like a nail is a rival with a hammer. Like it's just not the same thing. Um, now I look forward to now there being a wide open, you know, uh, you know, division to be battled for and that this decade could have that. And I, I've warned Bills fans that don't get me wrong. We haven't gone into week 16 of a season or hold on. Let me flip that around. We've gone into week 16 of a season a lot of times where a Bills Patriots game matters for one team and doesn't matter for the other team. We've just never had it this direction <laughs> where it only matters for the Bills and doesn't matter for the Patriots. Um, I said, but enjoy it because you know, some of the things with when you lead the league in, COVID opt-outs. That also means you have the most players coming back from COVID uh, contracts coming back in. Um, for the first time in a long time, there's a cadre of cap space available in a nuclear winter NFL free agency landscape. Um, obviously, none of that automatically fixes the quarterback position. So that's still the, the core of it. But I don't, I don't expect the Patriots to be down long term. But the reassuring part that I've, I've shared with Bills fans is no matter what, it's not going to be that peak Brady period. It's a, no, no one is going to do what the Patriots have done for 20 years. It's the greatest run in professional sports, 11 straight times in the playoffs, 19 out of 20 division championships. That's never going to happen again. It's the greatest achievement in professional sports. And now we can go back to just regular life where, hey, if you have bad injury luck, it's a rough season. And if you have good injury luck and players, you know, have a good season, you have a good season. Um, so it'll, I, I welcome back to reality. This is the way the rest of us live. Um, but that sadly, for, for as joyful as some Bills fans are going to be, the Pats aren't going to be that long. Well, we're, we've, you know, gotten through all of the, uh, of us kind of stroking each other's egos. Let's put it to you that <laughs> way on both sides. Let's talk about that quarterback position yeah. because I think, you know, a lot of Patriots fans, again, and I keep saying this, but they don't like it when we point out that the Bills rebuilding strategy is working and that the Patriots <laughs> could learn something from Buffalo. It's like, what are we going to learn from Buffalo? You know, they, they haven't won anything in 20 years, right? It's like, no, 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 no. This is a great case study by Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott of how to put a young quarterback in the perfect situation to succeed, especially a young quarterback in Josh Allen, who, let's face it, was a high ceiling, you know, low floor type of prospect had very high bust potential if it didn't go the right direction in Buffalo. So I looked back at that 2018 draft. They actually traded up twice for Josh Allen's pick at seventh overall from 21 because they made that playoffs with Tyrod Taylor, right? Was that the year? Yeah. So they made the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor, sweeped in as a wild card team. Then they were picking 21st. They traded up from 21 to 12 and then 12 to seven to get their guy, Josh Allen. But I actually, actually think more so, and we can talk a little bit about Allen's development too, more so than Allen's individual development, what McDermott and Bean did to, you know, restructure the offensive line, to add Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs, and put Josh Allen in this perfect kind of offense for his skill set with Brian Dable, that's really, I think, as much about what we've seen from Josh Allen's growth as anything, and that sort of speaks to the team building process of the whole thing. 
Absolutely. And it's, you know, there's a lot of different pieces in there. I've joked with other people that Josh Allen is now going to be a blueprint that's going to help a few other quarterbacks make it to their potential that never would have gotten the chance before. And he's also going to get a handful of head coaches and GMs fired because they're going to think that they can turn their ball of clay and just pile of traits into a franchise quarterback. Um, so we're going to all get to watch and enjoy people at both ends of the spectrum doing that. The timing of bringing Allen in in a year where they set the record for the most NFL dead cap in one season and they just cut loose everybody, anybody who they could create cap space with. They got rid of everybody. They traded, you know, just piled up draft picks to be able to get everything together to do this rebuild and were able to afford to just give him reps. And it didn't really matter that it was ugly. It was just, hey, we need to let him learn. We need to be patient. When all those things happened, all of the statistical models were accurate. He did have the biggest, the highest probability of busting of any draft uh, quarterback. I think one of the biggest lessons learned in the draft community and the statistical modeling community is understanding that 90% probable doesn't mean 100% probable. Like It's just not the same thing that, hey, when something is 10% likely to happen, that doesn't mean zero. And that the other factors that go into that, I use the case all the time. I describe him as Josh Allen is what Jeff George and Jamarcus Russell could have been. And that when you have a guy who comes out who just has the strongest arm that anyone's ever seen, but that you decide that, no, I'm already good. I know I can make every throw. I don't need to do any of the homework. But that what they discovered when they went out, you know, the Pagulas and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott flew out and spent time with his family and time in Wyoming and talked to everyone who had ever been around him in Fireball, California, what they learned was he was incredibly humble. He was incredibly hardworking. He was very willing to be coached. He didn't turn away from those things. He freaking handcuffed himself to Jordan Palmer every summer. They ripped his mechanics down to the studs and rebuilt it. And you don't often have guys, you know, you hear more of the the Jay Cutlers and people like that who are just born with a howitzer on their shoulder, Cam Newton, that, you know, they don't spend the time refining the mechanics like that and rebuilding it. That was what they bought into. So it wasn't blind faith that, oh, we're just going to give him time and hope. It's that, hey, we see what he's doing in the film room. We see what he's doing in the practice room. We see what he's doing every single day all summer. He's not going and laying, you know, in some cabana in the Bahamas. He's working every single day. We think this guy's buying into. That's why they had patience where all of us were, you know, even the most you know, rabid Bills fan was hoping he'd have a good season. Nobody saw this. Nobody saw this coming. So um the the team never saw it as a ten percent probability. The the front office never thought that this was some, you know, anomaly roll of the dice, but they had more information than the rest of us. Yeah, and I think that that's always a big thing too about the draft community and in the media and the the model people and statistical model people is that we don't have all those behind the scenes information. We try to get as much of it as we can, but there's no way that we're going to have it all like the teams have it. And that's oftentimes why when we sit there and we scratch our heads, like why did this guy fall to the sixth round or why did this guy go so high? It's oftentimes the intangibles behind the scenes that maybe we didn't put together that other teams have been able to put together like the bills with Josh Allen and, and figure that out. And I think the most incredible thing about this 
this whole thing. And a lot of it, I think, speaks to Josh Allen's growth in terms of the mechanics and the way that he's grown as a passer. But if you look at his first two seasons, uh, completion percentage over expected, which is that fancy metric that measures downfield accuracy that everybody loves. He was 42nd out of 45 qualified quarterbacks in CPOE his first two seasons. He is fourth this season, top five. I mean, that those types of flips just don't really happen, right? Not, not even really. Literally never happened. Yeah. It, like, it's never happened in the history of football. Troy Aikman was kind of close. Right. He had he had a stretch like that. Um, it's the re- – yeah, the reason that you, – you've had some people – not bust and end up being okay. No one has gone at the, I mean, Josh Allen's probably going to get MVP votes this year. He's right. not going to win. Rodgers or Mahomes will win it. Right. I'll bet a dollar that he gets MVP votes. Oh, yeah. And that the fact of going from 42nd out of 45 to legitimately getting an MVP vote, no one thought that was possible. Yeah, and you know to go from 59% completions last year to 70% completions, yeah. I mean, just go right on down the line of all the stats that just completely reversed course for Josh Allen. And I think a big part of it, and not to take anything away from him, is Stephon Diggs. I mean, oh, Diggs yeah. has just been absolute, uh, exactly what Buffalo needed and exactly what everybody thought he would be when they made the trade, I think. I mean, maybe he's a little bit better than people expected, but Everybody knew Diggs could ball, and it was really just a matter of uh, of him being sort of that number one option and not having to share the limelight with Thielen and stuff like that. And it's definitely blossomed that way in Buffalo. The other thing I wanted to point out is that the one throw that I broke down in, in my game plan this week, um, which is focused a lot on players to watch for the Patriots, but also a little bit on the Bills rebuilding strategy and Josh Allen, was the throw early on in that Denver game where they had the double slant concept in the middle of the field, and he didn't have the first option open. And he didn't have the second option open and he got through the progression so quickly that he still hit digs on the deep comeback as he was coming out of his break with, you know, perfect timing. Those are the types of throws one, two, three hit it, you know, on the third throw on the third read on a perfect type type of a progression read and also timing with the ball out of his hands. And of course the arm strength helps because if he, even if he's a tick late, he can just gun it and, and he gets it there in time. But that type of progression and that type of full field read was just not something that we saw out of Josh Allen in 2018 and 2019 consistently. Every, every time he played Bill Belichick especially, it sort of felt like Bill said, okay, I know that if I take away this guy's first read, that he's probably going to make some mistakes throwing to his second and third primaries. He's probably going to just take off running some of the time or hold the football in the pocket, and we're going to create negative plays as long as he can't hit that scheme to first read every single time. The other one was the uh, deep bomb to Diggs on the little stuff stutter and go move later in the game that type of accuracy I mean Diggs is open he's over open over the top but it's not like he's wide open down the field by 20 yards and that type of accuracy on the deep ball is definitely not something that we saw consistently out of Josh Allen before this Uh, that throw you know I I think you can make a sneaky case is the best deep ball he's ever thrown yeah 55 yard gain 63 in the air dropped on a dime, like directly in his arms, that that might be the best deep ball he's ever thrown. Right, and those are things that, you know, just watching his tape to prepare for their games in the past, we just didn't really see. And I think the last frontier for Allen, even though the Patriots aren't in the playoff mix, is to is to get over Belichick, right? It is to it be is. Able to, 
to finally beat not, not they obviously beat the Patriots the first time around this season, but beat Bill Belichick with a clean game from Josh Allen because he still threw, I believe it was two picks in that game. Yep. I should have looked this up. It was two picks in that game. One was uh, to J.C. Jackson. Um, that was, you know, maybe a miscommunication at the time between two, uh, you know, Diggs and Allen. They didn't really know each other as well as they know each other now. But I, I think that that's sort of the last frontier, if you will, for Josh Allen is to uh, put together a great game against Bill Belichick, and he's got that Monday night stage to do it this time around. Yeah, I mean, add, add Sean McDermott to that as well. I, I think that obviously the division's already been formally locked up, but the – the coronation, if you will, of going into Gillette and going into Bill Belichick's house and being able to formally take the division from their cold dead hands. Like that stuff matters. Like this is, this is a division games are always closer than what they should be. You know, look at how, look at how the Jets played the Patriots and the Bills. You know, it's division games are never as easy as people want them to be. I've warned Bills fans that, you know, people that are thinking it's going to be another 48 to 19, like what they just did to the Broncos. I'm like, that's just not the way this is going to go. I I do expect a Bills win, but I, I don't, it's not going to be like that. This is, this is going to be a tough fought divisional matchup. And uh, somebody that many Pats fans listening will be familiar with, I, I had a good conversation with Mark Schofield, and, and he had brought up the, the little, yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, the little quarter seconds and half seconds that they've created for Josh Allen, and, and yeah. it's a combination of all of them. Uh, Brian Dable has had fantastic play calls that give easy throws that just automatically are there for him. Then you add in Josh's arm gives him an extra quarter of a second, half second. He used Joe Burrow as an example. Joe Burrow and and Josh Allen can make the exact same throw 35 yards down the field. Josh Allen can wait an extra half a second and still get the ball there at the same time that Joe Burrow just can't do that. Then you add in against zone, Cole Beasley can not be NFL open. He can visually flash open where there's no one else near him, where Josh doesn't have to immediately see it in the first reads. Make, oh, look, there's Cole Beasley standing all by himself. Or if they're in man, Stefan Diggs can roast his guy like other guys just can't and can, again, visually flash open. You add all those things up, and it's that extra quarter second here, extra half second there, extra quarter second there. And you add in one that a lot of people don't think about in that Josh is kind of this big, oafy, goofy guy. He's he's very emotional on the field. He's got the highest wonder lick of any quarterback prospect in the last four years. He's incredibly smart. He yeah. plays that aw shucks, goofy guy. Dable and McDermott talk all the time. He's brilliant in the film room. Like he's really, really smart and just plays this over the top goofy guy on the field that's all emotion. Um, he processes things really quickly and that that's really coming into its own. And now you add up all those little quarter of seconds and now we bring back John Brown that we haven't even had most of the season. It's really tough to pick your poison now and they've turned this into an offense that is, is really tough to, to slow down, let alone stop. Yeah, and, and from a Patriot perspective, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see without Stephon Gilmore in the secondary. They played them without Stephon Gilmore the first time around as well. And J.C. Jackson won his battles against Stephon Diggs, but Diggs also had you know some big plays in that game too. Had that one uh, 40-yarder on the cur- deep curl that he ended up breaking away from J.C. Jackson. That was a huge play in that game. So I, I'm fascinated to see 
you know, that matchup again this time around because looking ahead to next season is sort of, you know, where we're stuck with the Patriots right now and a lot of conversation about what's going to happen with Stephon Gilmore. Is he going to be around in 2021? And is J.C. Jackson going to, you know, go up the pecking order to that number one corner spot? And I think that that's going to be sort of a litmus test of, of sorts um, to see him against a guy like Diggs. And you mentioned that it's going to be – you think it's going to be a close game. I actually think it's going to be a competitive game also. I, I see the the Monday night stage is, is one that if you're a player, whether you're upcoming free agent or not, you don't want to put bad tape out there on Monday night. You know, everybody in the world is watching. Every NFL coach, every NFL GM is paying attention to those primetime games. You don't want to sit there if you're a Patriot and put up a terrible stinker against the Bills. So I, maybe if that stinker is coming, you know, where they're kind of looking to their vac- vacations on Mex- in Mexico and stuff like that, that that's going to be a week 17 thing. I think I, I don't really see that being this week. And I think the Patriots are going to start Cam Newton and are going to go into this game, trying to win this football game so that they can say, you know, on a national stage, we beat the bills and, and we're still a team that's going to be, be able to turn this thing around quickly. And they're not looking at a three to five year rebuild necessarily. Maybe it's only a one to two year rebuild. That being said, the bills defense to me, from what I have seen lately, looks a lot better than it did oh, yeah. the first time around. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, I know Eric uh, Turner, your your friend there, cover one. He was breaking down some Tremaine Edmonds tape on Twitter and how he's in, you know, starting to come into his own a little bit after a rocky start to the year. Uh, but what about this Bills defense? Do you think has turned around the most? It, it's it's been a cocktail of things with uh, one injury. You know, people like Trey White was injured early. Tremaine Edmonds was, was injured injured early. Um, Matt Milano missed big stretches of, of games. We didn't have the same four guys in the secondary for uh, two consecutive games until like week nine. Um, so all those different things. And then the one group that was healthy was the defensive line where we had the most turnover of any different group. So learning to play together and how they're going to play off each other. Um, I also think there was an interesting part this defensive brain trust between Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, who they disguise coverages as well as anybody in the league. They're really, really savvy with that. They've also had to have this bend but don't break mentality for three years because if we gave up any extra scores or we tried to take an aggressive shot and you give up a deep touchdown, that was it. We just couldn't catch up and we gave up a score that now the offense can't answer to. They now have some some weapons and and tools in their tool belt that they didn't have before that they can be aggressive and go after shots because, Hey, Oh man, we gave up a deep touchdown to Brandon. Ayuk. yeah, that's all right. We'll answer back and score again. Or, Hey, we're going to give up a a easy touchdown to James Washington because we sent an extra blitzer, you know, Poyer off of the corner. Eh, That's fine. We'll, we'll answer it. They can now take aggressive shots because if they do get home, and they do sit on it right and send a blitz, and all of a sudden, oh, Taron Johnson's going to sit on a easy out and take it back for a pick six, or you just get an extra possession. Well, now we're up by two scores, and now you're not going to stop us from scoring, and we're just going to pull away. They've never had that option before. They've never had that offense 
to capitalize on extra possessions and to make up for aggressive uh, choices, but they still have the underlying discipline of the kind of defense that they've had before. So we've seen a combination of that. It's getting healthy at the right time. The Bills had weird stretches in the middle of the year with 17 and 18 guys on the injury report, but oddly they had the fewest season-ending injuries in the entire league. They have basically one player on IR of any material matter, and that was Cody Ford, who – wasn't playing that well. Um, so they somehow made it through without any season ending injuries and are now getting almost everyone back. The last game, they literally had a clean, uh, injury report. They, they just chose not to play John Brown to let him get back a little bit healthier. Um, it's that combination. They're getting healthy at the right time. They're learning how to use the new weapons that they have. They're learning to be more aggressive because they can afford to be. And that combination we've just never really had before. So it's it's interesting because it's new for us as well to see how they utilize it. It's, it's kind of interesting, too, because McDermott's scheme is typically pretty standard week in and week out. It, it's, you know, he's not necessarily a guy in the past that's been a heavy game plan coach. You know, he kind of runs his stuff and, and, you know, runs it so well that it, it's just a really sound scheme. I've seen them, I would say, this year do more wrinkles than ever before really like you're mentioning with the blitzing and with the coverage rotations and disguising has always been a big part of their kind of repertoire but even maybe a little bit more man coverage at times and and stuff like that and uh that was the last time they played the Patriots they played a lot of zone again against Cam Newton which has been something a lot of teams have done but I'm going back to the Brady last game against Brady uh, a year ago and they played you know Belichick on Wednesday, I press conference came out and said, this isn't a game plan defense. They do what they do and, and, and you know, they, they do it really well and that this, that, the other thing. And I just remember McDermott coming out and playing man coverage like 70% of the game and Belichick in McDaniels, I think were a little bit thrown off by it. And, uh, that's the one thing I've seen as this defense evolves under McDermott is that they've been able to go to some different things and not just kind of sit in the same kind of cover two, cover three, uh, quarters, maybe mix in their rotations and disguises, which have definitely worked in the past for McDermott. But now they've gotten a little bit more spicy uh, with what they're doing in the front seven and with their blitz packages. And, you know, this team, uh, we start to talk about it a lot, and, and it seems like the Bills are set up to go on a little bit of a run here. I don't want to I don't want to get you too excited, Greg. So I'm not going to say it fully to the all the way to the Super Bowl or anything like that. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a fun sort of watch from the outside looking in to see, uh, is this Bills team truly for real? You know, can they make that next step of winning in the postseason? But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you see this team really going on a run here? So anyone who is picking against the Chiefs is risking their money unnecessarily. They're the best team in football. They're the most likely Super Bowl champion. If we played this, if you, if it was like the NBA and it was, you know, seven game series, I would bet in a substantial amount of money that the Chiefs would come out in there. If anyone wants to try to tell me that they don't think the Bills can win a game against them and that if all it's going to take is that game script we saw of Kansas City against Miami where they had three turnovers early and the Dolphins should have gone into halftime 24 to 7 instead of down 14 to 10 if they had that game script against the Bills the Bills would be up 24 to 7 and they would have capitalized and scored on each of those possessions and it might take that you know if they if if the Chiefs play a clean slate um 
then, you know, it, it's going to be tough to, to just outpace that ridiculous offense. But if they do have some of those mistakes, the Bills have the team to capitalize on it. Now, before they get ahead of themselves, there are no bad teams that are going to make the playoffs in the AFC. You know, they're probably going to start out with the Colts or the Titans or the Ravens or a really tough team. And then they're going to have to play another really tough team. So, um, I like it because people were afraid of this schedule coming into the year for the Bills. They've had one of the toughest schedules in the NFL and they've gone 11 and three in that so far. They've built, uh, if the playoffs started today, they'd be seven teams that would be in the playoffs already. They're, they're galvanized and ready for this, but they still have to prove it. You're still going to have to go play, you know, Baltimore and Tennessee are right behind the Bills and the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Um, there are teams that are going to be very intimidating to play, but for the first time in my adult life, I get to go into these games saying, no, we should win. Like I, I, I don't have to hope and pray and be like, well, if everything falls right, maybe we can win and we're going to need a couple of things to break our way. No, we should beat them. We should win this game. And it doesn't mean we're going to, it doesn't mean they're going to go on some crazy Super Bowl run. But for me to say it's possible that the Bills could win the Super Bowl is insane for me to say out loud because it's real. It's possible that the Bills win the Super Bowl, and that's really fun to be able to cut to cover and follow and talk about. And I'm looking forward to it. I expect the Bills to win playoff games. I now kind of expect them to win multiple. Um, and I think that a Bills Chiefs AFC championship game is the most likely outcome, to be honest, in the playoffs. And it's going to take a special performance to be able to take on a team like that. But um, that's what I'm looking forward to. And, and I think that it's okay for Bills fans to have raised expectations after 25 years of being beaten into submission. Yeah, you know, that's that's the beauty of when you know you have a good team is that you know that no matter who you go up against, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or it's in the Super Bowl matchup with Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or whoever it ends up being, you can sit there and say, hey, we got a chance. You know, we, we got a team that can give us a chance in these games, and that's the beauty of rooting for a good team. Uh, going back to Monday night quickly before I let you go, what is the, what's on the line here for Buffalo? Because I, I know the standings and the seating is what it is. Uh, I guess a, potentially a home game in the first round could sort of be on the line here. But at the same time, there's no fans in the stands. There's no real home field advantage nowadays. Although they are saying that Buffalo might have some fans yes. in the stands if there is a home game there. Just what, what do you really see on the line here other than just kind of the facade of beating the Patriots on Monday Night Football? So I think that's a piece of it, even though it's not, there's no tangible uh, difference. I think the fact that it is New England and it is in New England, in Foxborough and going up against Belichick and all those things, that matters. And the players have talked about, they've been beating our ass for, you know, every year I've been in this league, there's no chance we're taking this lightly. They, They know that this is real. Then you add in, there are very real seating potential here. The Bills, um, if the Colts beat the Steelers and the Packers beat the Titans going into Monday night, if the Bills win, they lock up the number two seed, which would be huge to give them the flexibility of doing whatever they want to do and basically getting their own bye week going into the playoffs. Um, plus two home games, which now there is a proposal to have fans in the stadium, uh, from, uh, the governor and, and setting that up and working with the county to be able to do that. They've sent out messages to season ticket holders and the staff staffing company that staffs the stadium on game day has started to hire people. So it's now moved beyond maybe a theoretical, uh, proposal to, I, I kind of think it's going to happen now. Right. Um, so all those things, this game matters a ton. 
this game matters a lot. They are going to go full force to win this game because winning this game gives them options in week 17 where I kind of think we'll see them sit back and rest some players. So this game matters a lot for Buffalo emotionally, strategically, in the seating, everything that's out there, and just the monumental shift of, hey, we didn't back into this. We didn't accidentally get there. This is a chance they can sweep the division, you know, and being able to beat every team twice, that matters to them and is something that they're going to put every possible effort into. It's really fascinating with this new seven seed playoff format that there is that only one buy. So it does become extremely important to make week 17 sort of a meaningless game if you can, if you're a playoff team, to get that sort of built in buy for you. And for the Patriots, I do want to talk about just a few players quickly here that I'm going to rattle off. I'm going to talk about a bunch of players in my Patriot game plan. Basically, uh, unfortunately for New England, this is basically like a preseason game, right? Where we're just kind of seeing what we can get out of some of these younger players and, and development. So some of the guys that I'll just have an eye on from a Patriot perspective, uh, I, I would say the top of the list right now is probably Chase Winovich uh, for me and Jawan Williams. Uh, they're 2019 uh, second and third round picks. Winovich, uh, as you know, Greg, is a really good player. Yeah, you know, He's a good football player, uh, but his fit in this system has not exactly taken off for an every down role type of guy. Uh, he's been a very situational type of player, just playing in pass rushing situations and I think we need to see if he can set the edge and and be a sturdy enough run defender on first and second down to blossom into that all-around player. Uh, Dewan Williams has never really gotten an opportunity in New England because of their depth at cornerback. Stephon Gilmore's injury I think really puts him in a position to maybe play some outside cornerback reps here in this game and uh, get some opportunities against some good receivers as well and uh, one more name I'll throw out there. I'm going to keep trying to make him happen until he's a complete bust. Nikhil Harry has looked better. He has looked better, Greg, in the last three games. He's going to go up against Trey White a little bit, I think, in this game, which will be fun matchup for him to see if he can really do uh, it against a, a legitimate corner. Unfortunately for the Patriots, their quarterback position has been so bad at times this season that Nikhil Harry, Devin Asiasi, some of their younger receivers, we haven't really been able to get a great evaluation on those players because they're just not getting the ball when and where they should be getting the football from Cam Newton consistently enough. So it's been hard to evaluate, but if you go ahead and you watch the tape and Greg, I'm sure you've done this in the past when your team is not in the playoffs and you really comb the tape for all the little things that maybe you can highlight. Uh, Nikhil Harry has gotten open at times over the last couple of weeks. He has looked a little bit better, crisper, faster in his routes. So we'll see if that can continue to blossom. And, uh, I think that we'll have uh, Greg on again at some point, I'm sure. Uh, if it's not in the off season, definitely next season. And I would thank you very much, Greg, for uh, doing the double dip with me. Uh, you, you came on the pod uh, the first time around and the second time around. So I, I really appreciate that. And uh, why don't you uh, let everybody know where they can follow you and where they can read and uh, listen to your stuff. Absolutely. No, I appreciate it very much. And like I said, I, I mean it genuinely that although Bills fans are certainly going to take some joy in, in having a, a 
the first time meaningless game against the Patriots. Um, it's not going to be for long. I think this past team has too much good leadership and assets to, to stay down long. Um, so yeah, if anyone needs any tips on, on the best mock draft simulators, come reach out to me and let me know. You can find me at Greg Thompson on Twitter. Um, I'm over at coverone.net. Uh, you can find the cover one Buffalo podcast anywhere that you find your podcast on YouTube. Uh, always having fun and, and very bills focused, but we also have some great draft coverage and some guys who do awesome draft work. Russell Brown and uh, Christian Page are, are not Bills fans. They are uh, separate uh, fan hoods, but do awesome draft work for us. So come and find them. They'll be able to guide you on, on what players to watch for here going into the draft. And uh, certainly appreciate it, Evan. Always fun to talk to you. Uh, wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, enjoy time with family and friends. We'll uh, talk to you guys soon. That was a better sign-off than I was going to give. I should have just let it end right there. But, yeah, I can't recommend Cover One enough. It's a great website, uh, both for Bill stuff, but also, as Greg just mentioned, great draft stuff as well. And I'm always kind of coming through their draft coverage in the off season to pick their brains and, and figure out some things that I can use in my coverage as well. So uh, definitely go and follow Cover One. Go and follow Greg, and there will be plenty of draft talk over the next couple of months there as well. On sealingthismedia.com, as I have mentioned a couple times, my Patriots game plan will be heavily focused on players to watch over the next two weeks. So you go ahead and check that out. And uh, we'll be at the game on Monday night. Uh, we're still going to act like it's a, a meaningful game for the Patriots, and we'll still be there doing our thing. So uh, make sure you follow us at Patriots CLNS on Twitter and our YouTube channel at Patriots Press Pass. Uh, wall-to-wall coverage from Gillette on Monday night, Patriots Bills. Whether it's a winner or not, we'll have a lot to talk about in terms of uh, player development and things like that. And also, I'm sure – If it's a big win for Buffalo, we'll be talking about that as well and what it means for the AFC East. But until next week, signing off for Greg Thompson, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for listening.